Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this great country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisations and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. Now, if you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do visit leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Now, every single week on this show, I am joined by a different leadership figure from the world of business, education, politics, sport, or even from local communities in the aim of truly discovering who those people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from holding your nerve in a crisis to keeping ahead of the curve and, of course, the success and the innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. Um, I'm delighted to say, therefore, that my guest on today's show is Simon Howley, managing partner at Bell Howley Periton, a multidisciplinary firm offering its diverse client base access to accountancy, tax, legal and financial advisory services. Um, Simon, very warm welcome to you today and thank you so much for joining us on the show. Pleasure. Pleasure having you with us, Simon. And uh, today you're joining us from all the way in sunny Spain, is that right? Yes, I'm in Marbella at the moment, yeah. So I've been here um, post-COVID, or pre-COVID, so yeah, I've been here since March. Yes, I'm immensely jealous, and I do hope the uh, the weather there is better than it is in the UK at this moment in time, although we have just uh, had a little bit of sun pop out, so hopefully uh, the rain is going away. Um, it's just as well um, in the UK that we've got indoor hospitality back, and we're not going to restaurants and pubs and huddling under big umbrellas. And even though in the UK um, we are slowly edging toward normality with that sort of July 19th Freedom Day in the offing, um, I feel it would be remiss of me not to reflect on the COVID-19 pandemic pandemic at large because we've been living under social restrictions for so long now. Um, how have you found it sort of managing through the pandemic period and how has COVID indeed affected you and affected the business? Um, I mean, we've always been, anyway, kind of virtual office. We've always worked um, remotely. So in, in that sense, it's, it's no different than a normal um, working environment. Uh, obviously, we don't, I normally um, pre-COVID would fly across once a month um, client meetings so we, we, we missed the interaction of, of meeting clients having lunch with clients uh, and then we get to talk to them in a more relaxed atmosphere um, from a day-to-day working environment it's it, it pretty much been the same we've used more Zoom calls uh, obviously which seems to be the, um, the main thing that's, that's changed really um, and we just have our meetings via Zoom uh, once a week with the team the team is mainly in London or Around the M25, we'd have some uh, team members up in Newcastle, the northeast side, and uh, of course I'm kind of based uh, kind of um, offshore in Marbella. And that very flexible culture at Bell Howley Periton, I'm sure, has helped you because it seems you were well ahead of the curve with the remote and flexible working and making use of video conferencing functions like Zoom. So when the lockdown period did first hit in Europe, I suppose it was much easier to kind of make that transition over to sort of safe, flexible working. Yeah, it's been, obviously for everyone, it's been a very bizarre, um, what, 15 months of it since since March last year when lockdown kind of really kicked in. Um, It was a lot stricter here in Spain initially because, of course, you could only go out to uh, the chemist 
supermarket and that was it. And that was for the first 40 odd days. Um, so it, it, we kind of had lots of down full time here. Uh, obviously, it was difficult to, to fly out. You could have fly out anyway um, as, as the pandemic kind of increased. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, I mean, the biggest thing I've, I've found really um, is, is, is mainly kind of not so much the COVID side. I think perversely, it's been our, our best financial year in 13 years. Um, mainly because most of our clients are, are property related based mm. and obviously in any kind of um, recession based or kind of financial impact to, to uh, the country people tend to buy a property but also we've, we've found since the start of this year a lot of people are moving out of London and buying larger properties because they want that freedom to move around um, so I suppose that is a direct impact on uh, from COVID it certainly is, yeah, and um, I suppose with that phenomenon, if you will, um, f- flexible working is probably likely to become the mainstream norm, isn't it? Not just in the UK, but also potentially abroad with people sort of moving out of those sort of city centre settings and not having to yeah, sort of it, have it, that. I mean, yeah. the advice we're giving now is, is people moving out in, into much larger properties with outbuildings, and they're often, certainly in the past, the past well, before the statute holiday finished at the end of June, um, they've been buying kind of farms with outbuildings and convert, converting outbuildings for their for the mother and other members of the family. So I think it's really had an impact on people's psyche. I think it has, yeah. And um, what it has done as well is um, for those businesses that hadn't embraced flexible working pre-pandemic yet, I think it's sort of enhanced the level of trust between them and their workforces, hasn't it? There may be a few out there who may not have trusted people to sort of go away, do their own thing and still be as productive. But in a sense, they've maybe been proven wrong by this period. I think think people work better at home because obviously people have busy lives. And as long as the work is done, um, obviously there's just trust there which goes both ways. But as long as the work is done, it's never really bothered me whether they get up in the morning at four in the morning and finish it at 12, or whether they do a little bit in the morning and a, and a bit in the afternoon. Um, it, 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 it seems to work. Um, most of our, our staff or work with our females, so we have, we have kids. Um, so it, it just seems to be a much better working environment. So I'm not sure people will be that keen to go back to the office. And also, also I think the commuting is, is really um, going to be a point as well for people who are, want to return to the office or if that employers try to force them to return to the office. Yeah, it's beneficial to the work-life balance, sort of having that flexible approach and having that kind of hybrid option as well. Um, and there has been a great deal of focus, rightfully so, being placed on mental health and well-being during the pandemic. And with that in mind, I appreciate, of course, that you were used to flexible working anyway, but were there any sort of mechanisms or procedures put in place either during the pandemic or beforehand to sort of help monitor that and make sure that everybody is working at home, but also in that right frame of mind? Well, we communicate anyway every day, either by email or or by Teams. Uh, We have regular um, Zoom meetings by Teams or or by um, Zoom. Um, So we've, we've had not changed that much really from a day-to-day working environment. Um, We've kind of tweaked it over the years anyway, so we know when people are working. We've got timesheets like like most of them do in our profession because you spend more time putting your time in. So especially just getting the right team members around you, um, it's trusting them. Um, But I think in these days with email 
Um, video conferencing, texting, WhatsApp, it's easy to find out what's going on. Um, and it's not an issue if people have to shoot off um, to pick the kids up from school or whatever. So it, it seems to work well for us. And with that fr- flexible framework being there, um, we've been talking an awful lot about um, within the Leaders' Council lately about the importance of sort of CEO health and the impact of things like stress and burnout. And when we're sort of in a business survival mode, it's easy to get sucked into the mentality of looking after everybody else and working at, at an incredible pace, um, but not sort of taking that downtime of your own as well. But with that flexible framework there, is it easier you find to sort of take that step back and sort of switch off and recharge as and when you need yeah, to yeah. as well? Yeah, I mean, we're quite automated. Mm. Uh, so we use a lot of software, Xero, uh, we use Teams an awful lot, uh, Zoom for the also. So yeah, we'll be quite automated in what we do. Um, most of our clients, if you look after their account side, that's all automated by, by a Xero. So, you know, it, it, it's quite it's quite efficient, but we, we've, we've managed to, we never really achieved being paperless at an office, but we're almost close to that. So um, it's taken us 13 years to kind of tweak that. Um, but it's, it's quite, I think, stress-free, um, if, if that's possible. Um, people have, have their jobs to do each week. Um, some weeks are busier than other weeks. But um, it's never really, I mean, going back to my, my old days when I was training, where the, the days of getting up in the morning at half past six and then getting yeah and it's a positive that that is long gone because of that work-life balance and how important that is for sure and uh of course, I appreciate that a lot within the business may not have changed directly as a result of COVID because all of those automated mechanisms were there but looking back looking back over the pandemic period excuse me um has this whole situation maybe taught you anything and are there any lessons to maybe take away from COVID? Um, I don't think it's caused anything. I think it, I think it's made it's made us use technology more. Mm. Um, some things are harder to, to do over over a Zoom call, like a presentation, because you don't get that interaction with the audience. Um, that's a definite kind of um, negative. And obviously, you're not meeting the client for a meeting or a lunch face to face. It's always good to see people, but it's, it's easier, I think, sometimes to. to Gauge how a meeting's going if you meet with somebody. Um, it's typical over the over a Zoom call so that they can all turn the video feed off. Mm. It is difficult, isn't it? And I think while there may always be room for those face-to-face meetings to happen, I think we do also have to take the time efficiency side of virtual meetings into account as well. It has made us a lot more time effective, embracing that a little bit more. But there's always going to be the place for the face-to-face interaction because one size doesn't fit all with the technological approach. I think that's very clear. Seeing somebody, you know, face-to-face is much easier. It's, it's like anything, really. You know, if you go into a restaurant or, or a bar, you're chatting to somebody, it's just easy. You can pick up on, on how they react and, and, and how the meeting is going. Um, virtually, you don't really get that. Um, obviously, it depends on, on your, your, obviously your internet connection, but it, it's just easier. It's, it's also more pleasant as well um, because you don't really... Clients can normally see once a month or once a quarter, you know, I've not seen them for 15 months now. I've spoken to them, you know, on the phone or, or via a Zoom call, but you don't really get that kind of interaction. Yeah, I certainly agree. And um, it is something that you've really got to sort of take into consideration in your business approach and kind of gauge what is the uh, the right kind of approach for you and your business exactly, just for those that are tuning in. 
Um, and Simon, just for those sort of younger entrepreneurs and aspiring business leaders who may be looking to start out at this point in time, from your perspective, what advice would you have to give to someone like that to sort of get them on the road to success in their business journey? Um, I think if I had to do it all again, I'd probably focus a little bit more. Um, you need to be quite resilient. So I think you need to be, you'll have to, if you're working in our profession anyway, the accounts are legal, you're going to have to put in the hours. It's, it's just, it's still part of the course. Mm. Um, you, you, you have to put the compliance work in. You have to under, understand the, 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 the basics of what you're trying to do. Um, <clears throat> before you even get into the advisory side, you, you know, you're going to do at least five to 10 years worth of compliance work. Um, and also, I think the key thing is, is, is to, it's not so much um, the length of time you, you, you kind of put into your profession, it's more the work that you do. So if you can get into an advisory realm, it's a lot more interesting to sit there just doing uh, a tax return or drafting a document for a loan agreement or some kind of um, share purchase. Um, it's, I've been quite lucky over the years that I've worked in law firms and accounting practices, uh, and I've, I've worked with some really good firms. Um, some firms are harder to work with, it's more, it's more competitive, but I think as you get older, it, it, it does do you um, a good service if you have worked in a, in a pressurised environment uh, without it being too overly um, bullying environment. Yeah, of course. And I think experience is one of those things that does help shape people into effective business leaders, doesn't it? I suppose COVID can go down as one of those experiences being an unprecedented challenge. Um, but sort of, yeah, I think, yep. I think COVID is, it, 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 it's just an absolutely bizarre, extraordinary thing that's happened over the past 15 months. Mm. Um, you know, hopefully it will never happen again. Um, but from you know, from, the, from the whole world to shut down, um, it, it's it's just unbelievable. It is. It's unbelievable. It is unprecedented. And as I say, it's one of those experiences that really is going to make this next generation. And having talked about sort of the value of experience when it comes to shaping us into sort of better employers and better employees, um, people that we often encounter during our careers and our lives can sometimes be just as influential, can't they? Um, is there anybody, Simon, that you've maybe encountered earlier in your career that's perhaps helped shape you into the person and leader that you are today, or maybe someone you simply looked up to that has done that? been a variety. I mean, the, the people I've often kind of been drawn towards are ones that are easy to talk to. Um, these people could be, it could be a manager, it could be, it could be a Queen's Council. Um, it's really, if you're very approachable, no matter how senior you are in your, in your role, it's easy then to, to kind of get some inspiration from that person. Um, if they're patient with you, if they're not too, obviously you need to get things right. Um, in our profession, you can't kind of keep going back and, and tweaking things. You need to be right the first time, ideally. Um, but I found the most, the best thing I've, I've worked with or alongside have been the most approachable socially. Mm. Um, they're not really too far, um, I won't swear, but they don't take themselves too seriously, even though they may be very senior in their position um, and very senior and well recognized. Because they've got to, if you're approachable anyway, easier to talk to, then you win more clients. And, and it, it makes your work environment just, just more pleasant. 
It does. It's instilling that sort of comfortable culture, isn't it? That culture of trust. And if you were to sort of describe maybe your own personal leadership style based on those principles, um, how would you sort of describe it? What kind of leader would you say that you are? I mean, people may laugh at if they hear this, but I mean, I've definitely mellowed over the years. That's uh, probably an age thing. Um, I am quite manic, uh, but I think in, in, a, in a positive way. The office tends to work better when I'm not in the office. So I, I have a habit of, uh, with my OCD, of, of kind of micromanaging. So that, that's something I've learned to do is to step back from things and trust people to do the actual work. Um, and then it's much easier then to we can have a time to go out and just give the advice to clients, to go out and win new clients. Um, I, think, I think the key thing I've learned over the years, um, what my past 32 years, is really is, is to step back um, and not get involved in every single thing. Um, and also I think also just be approachable. Um, people don't make mistakes um, on purpose. It's either normally due to lack of training, lack of understanding. So as long as you put the time into the people, um, and that stepping back is so, so important, isn't it? Um, especially just for those younger viewers tuning in that may be of the entrepreneurial mindset. It's one of the hardest things to do when you've built up a business to sort of let go and then move away into that more strategic side of the business and letting go like that and trusting other people with the day-to-day running. It's one of the hardest things that you might have to do as a business leader, but also in the long run, it's one of the most beneficial. I think it's fundamental because you you can't do everything on your own. and It's impossible. You've only got so many working hours in the day. Um, So if you don't want to burn yourself out or if you don't want to send um, your service levels to drop, uh, poorly for the client, you need to find the right people. You need to then trust those people. You need to put the time and effort into training them. Um, but above all, trust them and step back from that and let them do their job. That's exactly right. And um, we've talked about that L word a lot on the podcast today. We talked about learning, haven't we? And how that sort of shapes us as leaders throughout our lives and careers. Do you think it's possible to actually learn and develop into a good business leader without maybe making one or two mistakes along the way? I think we all make mistakes. Um, it, it's just part of life, you know, but being a human being, is we are flawed, um, which I think also makes it, makes it more interesting. But learning, well, for us anyway, you need to learn your, your technical stuff, you need to pass your examinations, important that's your bedrock, but then again, you need to then start to have a good idea of which area you want to focus in. Um, if you look at the big firm, you can focus on just one particular area, like corporation tax or banking tax. Um, I've always preferred personally to have a much more broader remit. Uh, I think it's more interesting when you're dealing with clients that are kind of not too big, not too small, because they're the ones that are also growing and they're the ones that need the advice uh, across all the taxes, across all the legal sides. So I think that's yeah, absolutely. And if we think about sort of leadership sort of more broadly, um, did you ever imagine sort of in your younger days, uh, Simon, that you would end up running your own business or is this something that's kind of just come about on the off chance? It kind of fell about, but I started out in computing because my brother worked in computing. Uh, I had not a clue what I was going to do. I, I, no, and then I kind of, I was chatting to the accountant for the firm I was only like 17, 18 at the time then. Um, and he kind of offered me a job but didn't offer me a job. Anyway, I, I resigned and kind of put his office on Monday morning saying, I've come to start work. Anyway, thankfully, he gave me a job. So 
So I, I kind of fell into accountancy and then I kind of went through and did all the, the kind of drudgery work you do and then I kind of um, went more into tax, um, passed on exams along the way and then I, I set up my first firm oh, I think 1995 and I moved to London of course and I set mm-hmm. up Bell Howley as it was then, now Bell Howley for Austin, um, in 2008. Uh, but it, it, it's changed. It's, it's, it, it's, it's changed over the years. You know, it started out with a quite traditional firm, but over the past, I'd say, five years, it, 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 it's, it's more it's more advisory, more specialised, as we kind of got more well-known, uh, joined more committees, um, and also we get more referrals from UK and overseas now as well. It, it just goes to show that story and it's one of the reasons why I asked the question um, that people aren't always born into sort of good leadership as it were I mean you have to sort of pick up those qualities you have to network and learning from other people who are established in business working on committees and in networking groups again as a young aspiring business person they're some of the best things that you can do can't they recognizing that you're not alone in the business world and you can look to others for advice was on a premise that if you, if you networked anyway, um, if you wouldn't talk to him in a, in a pub, don't talk to him at all and don't work for clients that you don't like. It's just, it's just pointless. Yeah, like I say, I, th- I think for anybody, it's incredibly basic, but very, very sound advice. It's hugely important to consider. I mean, and it really helps sort of translate business into something that's easily digestible. And that's something that we really, really like to do here at the Leaders Council. And um, talking about business, um, I do want to sort of talk about the future as well, just before we do wrap up, Simon, because I'm conscious that we're starting to run short of time today. Um, we know that in the UK, social restrictions are going to be going in England soon. That's not the case for the wider world, of course. The pandemic is still far from over. But as we embrace the challenges of the next few months, what are the challenges going to be on the horizon for Bell Howley Perotten? What are your priorities and where are you hoping to be by this time next year, do you feel? I think the priorities is, is we're kind of at the moment bringing in new, new software, which is going to make it even more efficient. Um, we do invest a lot in our software, a lot of our research tools. Um, so, you know, we can get all the, the latest information, all the updates and tax cases. Uh, we can easily get to um, the, the things we need to see to advise our clients. Uh, so we do invest a lot um, of our time in new software. Um, I think next next two, three years, we're doing pretty much what we've been doing for the past 12 years. Um, we'll just keep tweaking things. Um, we'll expand. We're not going to get too too big. We, we would like it to be a, quite a close team. Um, we like it where it's, it's always going to be partner driven. So you're not going to be come on board as a client and then get fobbed off onto a manager and never see us again. Um, so it, it, it's always going to be have that kind of boutique kind of feel. But that's what we really want, really. Um, and we just keep just giving the same as, as we do now across all the tax and, and legal side. Um, and we're getting quite a good reputation now um, in certain taxes um, yeah, so I think we'll just carry on as we currently are yeah I think that personal approach certainly serves business so so well and I think given everything that's gone on in the last year services like yours are going to be so so important and continue to be over the course of the year the next few months and years and as we start to sort of understand more about what direction the pandemic is going to go in and what it's going to mean for your industry i'd love simon to welcome you back onto the podcast with us and just reassess the ongoing situation because there are a great many variables in this still and it would be good to just see how things have changed that little bit later on down the line i feel 
I thoroughly enjoy that, Simon. I've really um, relished having you on the program with us today. It's been a real eye-opening experience for me, just learning a little bit more about your business and your journey to get to where you are now. And I'm sure the listeners share that sentiment. And just before we do depart, please do take care and stay safe with everything still going on as well, because we're not out of the woods yet, but fingers crossed that better days are ahead of us. Okay, so thank you. It was a pleasure to welcome Simon Howley, managing partner at Bell Howley Perotten, onto today's show, and I do hope you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Uh, until next time, now that indoor hospitality has returned, I'll be heading back to my usual spot in the Westminster Arms to raise a glass to outstanding leadership, and hopefully over the coming weeks, we'll continue to take further stride toward normal life. Um, remember, please do continue to look after yourselves and be considerate of others, because it does make such a key difference in preserving lives. We're all almost there now. Please take care and goodbye.